to talk and uh, meditate on generosity uh, for the kingdom, a value that we want to celebrate and practice in our church. And here in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, uh, beginning with verse 1, we have the apostle Paul sweating it out, trying to motivate this Corinthian congregation to be generous with this offering that, that he has been raising for the saints in Jerusalem, the poor in Jerusalem, believers who are in need. And he is appealing to this prosperous congregation in Corinth. I was in Corinth in uh, my last uh, trip. And, um, you know, it used to be an amazingly prosperous city like New York or like uh, Chicago or Paris. It was a very uh, prosperous uh, city. And uh, there, um, the Apostle Paul is speaking to these believers and encouraging them, prepare your offering for um, uh, the saints in Jerusalem that are in need. But uh, more than just for a particular project, I want us to see the grander uh, vision of uh, giving to the Lord generously. So Paul says in verse 1, chapter 8, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. These Macedonian churches were the churches of Philippi, um, the churches of uh, Ephesus and, and um, Colossia, Colossia, excuse me, Thessalonica. Um, and I think, I think Berea may fit into this uh, group of Macedonian churches, a region, you know, a region of the Greco-Roman world where there were believers there. And so these believers, he got, um, Paul is using them as an example as an example of the generosity that he wants the Corinthians to imitate, okay? And you know, the way we behave and the, the way we give inspires others. As we see others giving generously to the Lord, we're inspired. So you can be a person who inspires others to dare and to expand uh, their capacity to give to the Lord. We're always being an example to others who are observing us. So notice that he also says that the grace, giving is, is, a, is an expression of God's grace working in our hearts. And these Macedonian churches gave in the, midst, in the midst of a very severe trial. This wasn't just any kind of situation. In the middle of their great suffering and persecution, they did not allow that to uh, dampen their zeal for giving to the Lord. In the middle of that very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, because they were materially, physically, financially, you know, not as well off as the Corinthians, definitely. In their extreme poverty, it, it, it welled up, you know, it just burst over, bubbled over in rich generosity. Can you say with me, rich generosity? I mean, you know, there may be a lot of controversy about whether you need to tithe or not and how much you need to give to the Lord and whether you give before, um, you know, uh, taxes or after taxes, before, you know, you, you give out of the net or the gross. I mean, it can turn into a huge science that can really cripple people from giving. But, you know, uh, beyond all of those controversies, there's one standard that is biblical and that is incontrovertible. And that cannot be um, sort of explained away or uh, kind of, uh, you know, discussed away with all kinds of uh, theological arguments. And that is the standard of extreme generosity. Would you put that second verse on there? Verse 2, uh, Marlene. Okay? And, and uh, this, is, this is the standard. Rich generosity. I think if you use that as a standard for your giving life, you will have no problems. 
you know, uh, it's rich generosity. It's not comfortable giving. It's not, you know, moderate, prudent, sober, you know, reasonable giving. The standard that you see all through the New Testament, not, not just the Old Testament, the standard that is used for giving to the Lord is rich generosity. So if you, if you want to know whether you are really being up to what God expects of you in your giving life, am I giving in rich generosity? And look at the whole spirit that um, Paul is celebrating here. Um, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. All right, that's another standard, as much as you're able. But look at this. And even beyond their ability. That's another clarifying measure for you. Am I giving beyond even what I think is my ability? You know, the, the Bible extols, the Bible praises that sacrificial, heroic giving. Jesus celebrated the widow's might. She gave the only 25 cents that she had for coffee. She gave it away for the temple. And Jesus' attention was riveted on this woman. And she has been celebrated throughout 2,000 years. She gave the least, but also gave the most because it was extreme generosity. which It was rich generosity. It was beyond their ability. I got to ask myself all the time, Lord, am I giving beyond what I think is my ability? Because our mind can cripple us many times. Our mind, our subjective feelings about what is giving uh, to the Lord generously you know, it, it, can, it can really be an obstacle. But these are standards that the Bible has set clearly. So these controversies about tithing or not tithing, how much to give, when to give, how to give, the Bible is very clear that this standard of heroism is what we should follow. They gave beyond, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege I've been talking about that, you know, in First Chronicles 29. Do you consider giving a privilege or do you consider it a duty? Sometimes you got to do like brushing your teeth or taking a bath. You know, it, it's, um, it's a privilege of sharing in this service for the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. I want you to notice this extravagant language, this uh, excessive language, this exaggerated language, this enthusiastic language. Those are the... Adjectives that should accompany our giving life to the Lord. Um, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Man, I wish I had that problem that I had people pleading and say, Pastor, please, let me give more. Don't, don't put a limit on my giving. If you have that problem, come to me. I'll be happy to resolve it for you very quickly. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, all these graces, all these, all these gifts, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So in other words, giving must accompany all the other manifestations of God's grace in our lives. It's an important component. It's not a kind of an added-on afterthought. No, it is an, ex a, 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 an integral part of the blessing of God in our lives. I am not commanding you. 
We should never command people. We should never threaten people. We should never push them in an unreasonable way to give. But I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here is my judgment about what, the, what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Here we have a little slice of the quotidian, the daily life of the church. And this is just the beginning because over 2,000 years, the church has developed this theology about giving. What we see in the book of Acts and in these epistles is, you know, the, the brain of the church wiring itself institutionally, which will continue over the next 2,000 years. So this is just a little inkling of what will happen. You know, the, the Lord is giving us little bits of information as to how we should, you know, develop the life of the church. So here we have this apostle, you know, organizing beforehand. Just as I'm trying to do, by the way, I have to put this sermon in the context also of uh, this uh, Thanksgiving offering that we want to bring to the Lord. I'm preparing you just like the apostle Paul was preparing. Notice that, you know, the mechanics and the dynamics of the church have always been the same. Always you have had pastors, leaders, visionaries, organizers, motivating the people to give to the Lord. There's a concreteness about the kingdom. It's not just, uh, you know, pie in the sky, very kind of, uh, you know, ethereal, uh, theoretical kind of um, uh, talking. It's about concreteness, about organizing, about giving, about making a decision, about, about praying, about preparing yourself in advance for what you're going to give to the Lord. It's about leaders motivating the people to give. That is the human dynamic. That is the reality of the church. You know, many people are so romantic, and I'm getting ahead of myself in my sermon here. But, you know, it can be so romantic about loving God and serving the Lord and all this. No, that has, this has feet. It has hands. It has a mouth. It has uh, a nervous system. It has muscle. It has bones. It has a skeleton. That is what the church is. And this is what leaders have been doing over thousands of years to motivate the people of God to be generous on behalf of the kingdom of God. And he's using all kinds of images. He's like a lawyer appealing to the heart of the jury so that they would be motivated to say yes Verse 10, and here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do, to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has and not according to what one does not have. I'll explain that. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. You know, the church should give evenly. There shouldn't be this thing of, you know, a 20% giving 80% of the, of the offerings of the church. That is, you know, that's what most uh, st statistics say. 20% of the members of a congregation give 80% of the money of the congregation. There should be evenness. There should be a, a distribution of a sense of responsibility. There should be a shared, very evenly shared sense of uh, I'm holding the, the, up, the, the ceiling, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the column. And, and you should, if everybody gives according to what they can and sacrificially, then nobody should be forced to give more than um, they should. Um, there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much. 
and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Well, you know, again, this is, a, this is part of a series. You may have lost track of that fact that I've been preaching on values, guiding, governing values for the life of our congregation, things that we want to distinguish us uh, when people ask, well, what is your church about? And I've spoken about being a sign, a sign to the city of, of humility, of giving uh, for to others, of generosity, of multi-ethnic harmony. I've, I've said that we need to be a church that is based on the word of God and not on um, uh, currents of culture. That we need to be a gracious church, gracious toward those who are struggling and fighting to enter fully into the kingdom of God and to find their sea legs in the kingdom. We, I've said that we need to be a spirit-filled church as we have made those efforts this morning to inspire us to be, you know, to use the spirit and to put it into motion, to put it into expression. That we need to be a church that is in constant renewal, people who are always growing in the Lord and being transformed um, and learning more and more and growing more like Christ and being sanctified more and more. That we need to be a consecrated church. We need to be people who live for the Lord and the Lord alone. We don't live to, uh, you know, just satisfy ourselves or realize ourselves uh, professionally, but we live for the kingdom and for the purposes and the will of God. And we have died to the world and been resurrected to living for the kingdom of God according to Jesus' will for us. And we need to be an evangelistic church. And I took several Sundays to unfold and develop this value of evangelism, and uh, you know, it may have been what, maybe four, five, six weeks uh, that we have been speaking about evangelism because of its importance and because of the fact that I feel that God is calling us to be an evangelistic church, to invite others, to um, share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. So I'm adding another important value this morning, which is that we, we want to be a giving church. We want to be a generous church. We want people who are extravagant in providing for the needs of God's kingdom. As we have been in this collection of this offering for Christmas uh, for children all over the world. There we have a few values, you know, that are, that are mixed. We have the value of uh, evangelism because these things are being used to spread the kingdom. We have the value of um, being gracious toward others. Um, you know, so we have the value of being consecrated to the Lord because we are consecrated to his purposes. So, you know, these values, they interplay. They, they come into interplay with each other. And this value of giving is beautifully expressed in the way that we have reacted to giving. And, you know, sometimes the fear of pastors is as people give, they will skimp on the tithes and the offerings that support the daily giving of the church. We give in beyond. You know, some people say, well, I've given to the Lord. I've given my tithe. I wash my hands. That's it. No. We have to give in every way. We have to be a giving machine. And, you know, the beautiful thing is that when you live like that, you receive, receive, receive. And the joy of the Lord just expresses itself more and more in your life. Can you say amen? So many of us who give to the Lord generously can, can echo the, the beauty of giving and the blessing of giving. So, you know, last night I attended, along with some, some of you uh, who were invited uh, to the, the YWAM, Youth with a Mission Banquet uh, for raising funds. And, and I saw the leaders there, Doug and Judy, uh, Doug and Debbie. I always confuse Doug and Judy. Um, that's the other group, the, the other couple from uh, uh, Emmanuel Gospel Center. Doug and Debbie. I should get the Ds right. That, that should do it. But, um, you know, Doug and Debbie have founded uh, Youth of the Mission, and they uh, were there sweating it out, trying to motivate this lovely group of Christians who was there having dinner 
to, to give to the purpose of this beautiful, beautiful ministry that does so much for evangelism and for training young people in the kingdom. And, you know, that scene of uh, uh, these leaders and, and their, the, their other leaders around them, you know, giving all that they had to motivate to give to their cause, but it's all one cause, the cause of the kingdom of God. It reminded me that this is what, children, that, uh, what leaders have done throughout uh, the, these 2,000 years. We have been motivating congregations and our followers uh, to, to give to the Lord for the purposes, you know, that God has in, put us in charge of. And that is really what it's about. It's about advancing the kingdom. You know, throughout 2,000 years of existence, the church has always depended on these efforts to finance the work of the kingdom. God's will has been to involve his people in advancing the plan of salvation through their sacrificial giving and their personal participation. God hasn't done it all for us. Well, he did in Jesus, yes, but in the physical realm, he expects his people to participate in, in relationship and collaboration with him. And in that, he is glorified and we also are lifted very highly in our dignity by participating with the creator in submitting his creation to his will. So that's his will, that we participate with him in the conquest, if you will, the loving conquest of creation. He has not left everything just to himself he has involved us, and he expects us to work and to give generously on behalf of his kingdom. Let me give you one principle that is very important. Without a generous people, God's work cannot go on. Without a generous people, without a generous, I'll be more specific, Congregation Lion of Judah, this church, Congregation Lion of Judah, cannot prosper and do all that God needs to do through it. Um, it is that concrete. We need a spirit, a heart of generosity in you, constantly beating and uh, anxious to be a part of God's advance in history. The, the sensibility, the, the outlook, the character, the temperament of God's people must be shaped in such a way that they, will be, that they will become a giving people. What I am doing today, right here, this moment, is trying to shape your heart, trying to shape your mind, your brain, wire your brain, your spiritual brain, if you will, to become a committed believer, aware of your responsibility and of the, the privilege of giving to the Lord throughout your entire life. You know, that's one of the things that must be done in the discipling uh, ministry of the church is to instill in each believer this clear commitment to being generous for the Lord. It should, be, uh, it should be in our DNA, our spiritual DNA. We should be wired to be a giving people. This is the work of the pastors. This is the work of leaders, teachers of the church, of the magisterial ministry, the teaching ministry of the church, to, to form people, to form a people who don't need to be pulled or you know, manipulated whenever there's a moment to give. They should be penetrable. They should be porous. They should be open. They should be malleable, using all these big words. But, you know, they should be able to be, for, they should be formatted to be giving, to be disposed 
to give and to be generous. And that's what this, this church needs to do. You know? We want to make you lean toward generosity on behalf of God's work. You've got you to be inclined to give to the Lord so that it only takes a little move and you're there already. Very specifically, again, a congregation cannot be successful in its local work without members who are generous and completely committed to supporting its efforts throughout the year. You know, uh, you don't, you, you'll never imagine how much pastors sometimes uh, travail, and I might use, even use the word sometimes uh, suffer anxiety when giving fluctuates during the course of the year. You know, our church is not a highly rich church. People see all our buildings and all these things, they, and they have to realize that this is, this is the product of, first of all, a miraculous provision of God. I mean, you know, only by God's grace. Secondly, by God giving wisdom for the, you know, rehabbing and building of these uh, structures. And then because of the giving of God's people. But this is not a rich church in the material sense of the word. We are a blessed church. Yes, we are. But, you know, this is a church made up of immigrants, made up of uh, middle-class people, homeless individuals, uh, lower-income individuals, hard-working housewives and uh, laborers. And, you know, I, I prefer it that way. I tell you, I, I, I'd love to have, uh, you know, a few rich baseball players giving, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. But, you know, there's a loss sometimes because churches then become dependent on those big givers. I prefer so much more to evenly distribute it. Uh, you know, just people giving, each giving sacrificially, whatever they can, because God is so much more honored that way. And by the way, banks think exactly the same way. They prefer to see lots of givers than to give, to see five, six, ten families that give, you know, 90% of the giving, because they know that that's fragile. But when you have a congregation that is evenly distributed in its giving, then there's a blessing. That can be a successful congregation. Your church needs your support daily. And if people had this idea, you know, if they were wired to give, then there's, there, there wouldn't be these fluctuations. When summer comes, you know, people disappear and they stop giving until they come back. Like the birds, you know, they return to warm weather. Um, no, I think you've you got to give every, every week. You have to, you know, that's part of the blessing so that the church can be evenly uh, in keel, if you will, without these, you know, ups, bobbing up and down many times. But when you're wired to do that, then, you know, you know that giving is just like breathing. You don't stop breathing in the summer and then begin to breathe again in the fall. No, you breathe every day and many times a day. So in chapters 8 and 9 of Corinthians, two chapters of this book are dedicated to Paul's intense effort to motivate the Corinthians to give generously for this special offering on behalf of the poor in Jerusalem. And we see in these two chapters very important principles. I've mentioned some of them already in basic form. But I want to just uh, quickly, God give me grace, to be very quick about uh, several of these principles that are highlighted here. Num number one, I've, I've mentioned already. Number one, the generosity of the Macedonians, these people, you know, like Philippi and Thessalonica, the generosity of the people living in the area, the region of Macedonia, which Paul praises so much and uses as an example to inspire the Corinthians, was so huge, was such that they gave even though they were poor and persecuted. So you see in verse 2, in the midst of their very severe trial and their extreme poverty, their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. 
So very severe trial. You know, people say, well, I got to wait until I'm more, you know, until I've paid more of my bills or until I know how much I have, uh, you know, for my retirement. They give to the retirement. They give to, you know, their Social Security. They pay their taxes. They buy the big car. They buy the big house. And then they think, okay, now I'll give from what I have available. And that's reasonable. But that's not the biblical example. Here you have people giving in extreme poverty. Giving is always a matter of faith. Believing that God is our provider. And that as we give to him, we will be blessed. We do not give to receive. We give because we have received already. And if we give, we will receive from the Lord in some form or other. That is a biblical principle. Okay, it may not be necessarily you give a dollar, you give a dollar to the Lord, you receive 10. But the Lord will bless you, will prosper you, your family, your health, your emotions, your relationships. Uh, you know, all, the shalom of God will be given to you in extraordinary ways. God is our provider. Giving should always be, as I say, sacrificial. It should always test us. The giving that honors God is not carried out in comfort. Rather, it is best practiced when we give beyond what seems reasonable or comfortable, like these Macedonian churches. This is, this is their example. You know, the Corinthians were a much more prosperous church. They were bigger. They were more blessed financially. But the Macedonians left them in the dust because they gave despite their poverty. They gave sacrificially. They gave in a visionary sort of way. They gave more, really. Before the Lord, they gave more. The Macedonians gave more than the Corinthians even though the Corinthians may be able to give more in absolute terms. But in relative terms, in terms of the heart, the Macedonians had no comparison. So they gave out of their poverty. They gave, they gave out of their extremity to the Lord. Number two, the Macedonians considered it a privilege, not an obligation or a duty, to give to the Lord. Look at verse 4. They urgently pleaded with us for the obligation, no, for the duty, no, for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They wrote Paul, or when Paul went to visit them, they said, please, Pastor Paul, we want to we be part of this uh, blessing. We want to give on behalf of uh, the Jerusalem poor. They pleaded with him. They, 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 they knew that it was a privilege. When was the last time that we considered giving to the Lord a privilege? Let's remember David's words in, uh, in 2 Chronicles. I think it's 1 Chronicles, excuse me. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, which I've read already. You know, um, David, David says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able, that we should be able uh, to give to the Lord? That's verse uh, 14. I, I, I don't deserve such an honor, Father. And in, in verse 3, you know, he speaks of, besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver for the temple of my God, over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. So David, you know, being the king, he thought, I, I can't just tell people, give. I got to be the first. And he was motivated by this desire to be, have the honor of having built a temple to the Lord. He wasn't able to do it in a total way, but his son with the money that he had provided and with the fundraising that he had carried out as, as this powerful, charismatic king, he um, initiated this work and participated in 
that privilege. You know, people are always honored <clears throat> when they participate directly in a great cause. Think of the, the veterans of Second World War, how honored they have been throughout history. These men and women who are probably, you know, dying out by now, there's a handful of them uh, literally left in America. Uh, but these men and women have been honored. Why? Because they participated in one of the greatest enterprises in all of human history to save the world from a demonic dictatorship as Nazi Germany was. And, uh, you know, these people were honored. Welcome. Come have a seat, please. Um, these, these people were honored because they were part. I mean, the honor of uh, this great enterprise so kind of, you know, washed over them, the, the coattails, if you will, of this great effort to save humanity, uh, honored them and blessed them. Well, you know, there's no greater enterprise in the universe than advancing the kingdom of God, subduing creation for the glory of God. And when you participate in advancing that kingdom, you are also redeemed from your just daily life. You're no longer just an anonymous individual dying and living, you know, without any purpose. You are all of a sudden exalted, and you become part of this amazing uh, kingdom enterprise. There's no greater cause in the universe than the advancement of God's kingdom. And you, you should, we should consider it a privilege to give to the Lord. Number three, the, the Macedonians' generosity came from a heart that had been first consecrated to the Lord. Okay, that's an important principle. Look at verse five here. It says, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord all right? They gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us, thus exceeding, you know, the apostles' expectations. What enabled them to give something that was like, I mean, extraordinary and surprising and awesome? Because their heart had first been given to the Lord. If your heart is not right with the Lord, if you're not, if you, if you're not just overwhelmed by this sense of God's generosity for your life and what Jesus has done for you and how important it is to uh, advance God's cause and to and this extraordinary thing that is salvation, um, then you, you will not give. I mean, if, you, if you're not just overwhelmed by this sense of uh, God's awesome work uh, on your life, in your life, then, you know, you will be lukewarm. People express their sense of value of the kingdom by how much they give. And their sense of consecration. We've spoken about being a consecrated church. Well, you know, when you are consecrated to the will of God and to the kingdom of God, you will have no bounds. You will have no measure in how you give to the Lord. And these Macedonian believers, they, they were totally overtaken by this sense of um, generosity. You have to ask yourself, have I given it all to the Lord first? You know, when you put money in a basket, that's just an expression of something that should have taken place already in your heart, in your mind, and in your will. The giving, uh, the extension of the hand and the putting of money into a basket is simply an outpouring, a physical expression of all that has taken place inside of you. It is, I can say this as a maxim that is uh, true. It is not possible to love God intensely and not to give and serve intensely. They go together. If you really, uh, I, I think I struck a chord. Say amen harder. That, that's good. At least encourage me. Amen. You cannot say, I love the Lord with all my heart, and then you give half-heartedly. You first have to really, there has to be a transaction that has to take place inside of you. 
And you got to really come to a moment of crisis and say, how, how consecrated am I? How, how overtaken am I, am I by my Christian identity? And then when you've resolved that issue, you will have no problem giving, as the Macedonians did not have a problem. Number four, giving is a concrete way of expressing our love for God. That's related to the first one. Giving is a grace equal to faith, holy speech, knowledge, the gifts of the Lord, worship. Look at verse 7. But since you excel in everything, okay, you know, um, Paul is kind of rubbing their back a little bit. And he said, you know, another chapter that uh, the, the Corinthians, they didn't lack in any gift. There was tongues, uh, there was, um, you know, discernment of spirits, there were signs and wonders, healing and deliverance, uh, prophecy, did I mention prophecy? Um, you know, there was a, every blessing was manifested in the Corinthian church, but, you know, they were lacking in love, okay, so that they added. But, you know, there's another grace of God uh, which should accompany all of these different uh, gifts of the Spirit, and that is giving you know, it's great when you say hallelujah, praise the Lord, and we sing enthusiastically like we did this morning. But how's your giving? That's really where you're tested, I believe, you know. That's where we're tested, I believe, more than anything else. How do you give and how do you serve? Because it's very easy to pay lip service to the kingdom. Very easy to come to church. Very easy to lift your hands up. But man, when it comes time to dig into your pocket or to write that check, that's when it hurts. That's when you really measure. And so he's saying, hey, you guys have all these great gifts and these great expressions of God's blessing in your life. Now, put it into practice. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Don't just evangelize. Don't just worship. Don't just, you know, praise the Lord and, you know, do all these things. Give as well. That is really where you were. It's like a soldier. A soldier may wear his or her uh, dress blues beautifully and be able to march very elegantly in a parade. But how's he going to do or she going to do when the bullets are flying over their head? How are they going to do when the enemy is pressing toward them? That is really what defines that soldier's heart and his uh, heroism and his commitment to his country. You know, and that's, that's, that's really what Paul is saying here. Don't just pay lip service to the values of the kingdom. Put them into practice by giving generously to the Lord. So a fifth principle. So let me just quickly, so that you don't lose track. You know, he has, he has, uh, he has said giving should always be sacrificial. Uh, number two, it should be a privilege, not an obligation. Number three, you first have to consecrate yourself to the Lord. And then out of that consecration, you give to the Lord. Four, giving is a concrete way of expressing your love for God. And uh, number five, here's another one. The most important thing to God is the heart with which we give. And that's really related to the other uh, principle. It is uh, this idea that, uh, you know, our heart should be uh, related to that, it's, and here um, it says in uh, in chapter in verse twelve, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what is given. Okay, and uh, you know, so it's important that we that our heart and that we give uh, cheerfully 
in verse 10, it says, last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. So this idea that, you know, the most important thing to God is the heart with which we give. If the heart is committed, generous giving will follow. If we give reluctantly with a sense of obligation, with fear, reluctance, this will contaminate our gift and probably will not please God. You know, what made Abel's, uh, in the in book of Genesis, uh, um, offering so much more acceptable than Cain? You know, it was his heart. Abel gave, gave to the Lord out of, uh, you know, the, the, the best that he had. And, and his, his, uh, his giving to the Lord was uh, very, very committed and very cheerful and very spontaneous. Cain's evidently was uh, contaminated with self-interest, and uh, it, it wasn't uh, generous at all. And this is why the widow's might also was so crucial, because she gave, you know, with that sense of cheerfulness and giving to the Lord completely. And then just two more, or just one more, really. People should never be manipulated into giving more than they can. Let me, use, let me say that again. People should never be manipulated into giving more than they can. You know, our motivation for you to give should not be emotionally manipulating. We should never use threats. We should never offer things that cannot be fulfilled. We should never offer things that are not biblical. We should never exaggerate um, what the Bible promises. And we should never pull things out of proportion or oversimplify how God's grace manifests itself to a giver. You know, sometimes uh, pastors will, you know, give God, give, give God $100 and he'll give you 1000 How many give 1000 and you get 10000 that's not, that's, that's, a, that's an oversimplification. That's a distortion. And that's why so many people have turned against the doctrine of um, prosperity. I believe in a God who prospers. And my life and the life of my family is an expression of that. But you know, um, uh, and I, by the way, we should never lose that. Because I think I see a lot of evangelicals shying away from the word prosperity. I believe that if the Lord, if you serve the Lord, either you or your offspring will be blessed. And I know that in my life, for example, my, my, my mother, you know, uh, when she received the Lord back in the Dominican Republic, you know, our life was prospered. We went from poverty to fullness. And my generation, my mother's uh, offspring, we have all been blessed. We have been prospered. And, and any, any uh, study, any sociological study by atheists or by believers will demonstrate that there is a, what they call a, an upward pulling effect in the kingdom of God. When people um, give to the Lord, they are blessed. They are blessed. And I, I, I'm going to stop there in that, in that uh, thing for a moment because I think, you know, sometimes we want to be more Catholic than the Pope. And, you know, you have evangelicals saying, no, you know, it's just, we just give to the Lord and that's it. We should not expect anything. Listen, the word of God is very clear. If you give to the Lord, you'll be blessed. If you give to the Lord, you will be prospered. Now, you don't give, you know, in a kind of a, a greedy sort of ways that God will give you. You know, there shouldn't be that mechanical, that kind of tight, overly tight connection between giving and expecting. No. It should be kind of a loose thing. What happens? If you breathe, do you feel better? Yes, of course you do. If you breathe, doesn't your body benefit from it? Yes, it does. Now, you don't breathe, you know, just say, oh, I got to breathe because my body needs. No, you just do it naturally. 
because you know that that's necessary. You eat because you need it and because your body is strengthened. It's like that. Giving is like that. There's a, there's a kind of a, a biological, organic, totally integral relationship. Uh, you give as you breathe, and you are blessed as you de- derive benefit from the functions of your body. You know, this is the way we give. So we shouldn't be, you know, I'm saying we should not manipulate people, and we should not overemphasize prosperity, but we should put it in its proper place, and it belongs there, because sometimes we go to the extremes. Either we overemphasize and exaggerate prosperity, or we take it out of the vocabulary altogether. And I am incensed, and I am offended, really, when I see good-willed, well-intended evangelicals saying, oh, don't speak about prosperity. That, that is a, a travesty of the Word of God. From, from uh, Abraham to Jacob to Joseph to Gideon to David. Uh, yes, amen. You can add, 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 add those people. Ruth, Esther, you know, they were all blessed. Dave, D- Daniel. They were all prospered and blessed in different kinds of ways when they gave to the Lord, all kinds of things. And this is the integral way when you should, you should see giving. Never stop expecting the blessing when uh, you give to uh, the Lord. But we should not manipulate people. I think the, uh, the gospel is excellent. It's elegant. It's beautiful. When you turn it into a kind of a travesty of uh, marketing and manipulating and threatening people and using all kinds of techniques, you, 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 you know, mar, you damage, how do you, how do you say that in English, you know, you, you make ugly the, the, the gospel, it's, there's so much beauty and so much elegance, so much excellence in, in the way, look at how Paul does it, you know, he gives theological arguments, he says, I'm not threatening you, but he's, you know, he's pushing them in all kinds of other ways, he's using the Macedonians as an example, say, hey, look, imitate their example, you know, he, so uh, this, and, and he also, um, you know, he, he also says in the end of his uh, long exposition, toward the end, uh, um, he says, you know, that, uh, you know, you will be, you, you, God will enlarge your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You know, in verse, that's in uh, this chapter 9. See, you know, since I'm taking the opportunity to, you know, share this piece with you here. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That's in the word. So there's a relationship. There's a connection there. Don't try to take it away. It is there between giving generously and receiving generously. Um, And then in verse 9, he says, in verse 10, excuse me, of chapter 9. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your storage of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. So, you know, there is a principle there of being enriched by our giving. Now, there's another principle there, which is that you're enriched not to hoard, but to be more generous. There's this beautiful economy in the kingdom of people who give generously and then they receive generously. They're always, they're being processors of God's generosity. And as you know well, you know, in a bank, you know, when you're processing money and investing it and so on, it stays for a little while inside the bank and the bank benefits from that. 
You know, that moment that, that the deposits of, of the people stay in the stores of the bank, the bank can get interest out of that, can get all kinds of things. So it's like that. God gives you more because you're giving more. And you become a tube, you become a, a, a conduit for God's blessing. So that you, there will always be God's blessing inside of you. Because it's running out, but there's more coming from behind. So there's always blessing in your life. That's the beautiful economy, the dynamic nature of, uh, you know, God's prosperity and blessing you don't you don't uh, you give because god gives to those who are cheerful givers and then you you give to others you give to your church you give to every noble cause that you can that you are um able to last night our family gave my wife doesn't know it but we gave and and i know that she uh, you know she i have her full support as well she wasn't able to be there but, um, you know, because we, you, wherever there's a need for the kingdom of God, you don't say, oh, I, I, I got to give for the Thanksgiving offering here at the Lion of Judah as well. No, you, you, you're there. There's a need. You give. And you trust then that the Lord will somehow, he will replenish Amen. your storage. Man, if we could learn to live like that, what a blessing it is. But again, you've, you've, you may have lost track of what I was saying, that people should never be manipulated in giving more than they can. And here's something that I want to do at the end, you know, this that last principle. More than they can. Because this idea of being able is there. Um, so that uh, it says um, in verse uh, 11... Uh, to do it may be matched that your eager you, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means in other words according to what you can give for if the willingness is there the gift is acceptable according to what one has according to what one can give not according to what one does not have or cannot in other words what one cannot give so this idea you know that people should not be manipulated beyond what they can the word can, the verb can, is very complex, you know, biblically speaking. Why? Because this can, I can or cannot give, has a lot of complexity within it. Sometimes mentally, what happens? We feel uh, that we can only give up to a certain point. But that is a subjective thing. For each of you, what you can give is a different thing. And the standard that each of us may be using is very different. For believers who are used to giving and giving generously and used to seeing God bless them, that can, what they can give, is extraordinary. They're stretched. They're surprisingly generous because their can, what I can give, is, uh, has been enlarged over the years. Now, for those who are not used to giving and who have a kind of a protective a timid understanding of God's capacity to provide in their lives, that can means, well, you know, how much money do I have for my retirement? You know, what, how many figures are there in my ATM when I go in it? You know, um, uh, haven't been, have I been able to buy that shirt that I've been lusting after for the past month? And I've been looking at it in Macy's, waiting for the special, you know, to go and buy it. You know, there can, for people who are not used to this generosity, what they can give can be very conservative. <clears throat> And for people who are used to putting all kinds of caveats and theological quibbles in their giving, experts in navigating Google about tithing or not, and so on and so forth, for people who are like that, you know, what they can give is, is very small. It's very subjective. But the Bible's saying give according to what you can. So really, I think what we need to do is enlarge our can. 
when our faith is large and our love for God is large, then our can, and can give, may be much greater than it might appear. So, on the other hand, we may just be giving a, we may be giving just a little bit, but it may appear like you know a heroic offering. There are people who put a twenty dollar bill in the in the uh, uh, basket and they shake and tremble and sweat and fear and think that they have done the greatest thing, equal to David's uh, offering for the temple. And Vanessa, I'm going to invite you to come forward and prepare us. Uh, but before that, let's just hold on a second, actually. But be be prepared. Have the group prepared. Um, so, you know, sometimes, man, we, we, we give a little bit and we think, man, I'm, I'm uh, King Midas. I'm giving huge amounts of the kingdom. But in reality, you know, there may be somebody else who is being really sacrificial, as I've seen many Christians. Their can is just expanded beyond anything. That, and, you know, I've, I've expanded my can over the years, over and over and over again. I just expanded my can recently, by the way. And I say that not to boast, but just to encourage you as well. I decided, you know, our church has been going through a little bit of a, of a tight spot. No crisis, but really. And, you know, I, I want to encourage you. Maybe you can expand a little bit your can. Maybe you can expand by 5%, 10% what you give to the Lord as a way of blessing your congregation. I want to put that challenge there for you as well. And to give a good offering in the example of Paul um, for this uh, Thanksgiving offering. So if our faith and our love are small then even a little bit seems like a large amount. But if our faith and our love for God is huge and big, then we give to the Lord and it feels like, hey, what am I doing? I'm just simply breathing as I should on behalf of the kingdom of God. Let me give you a little illustration and I close with that. This week, this past week, a woman from the church, from the, Latino, the Hispanic ministry, uh, she called me um, last, the previous week and said, uh, Roberto, I want to come and, and I want to I bring you an offering because the Lord has blessed me. And I want to give it directly uh, to you because I, I she, actually, she gave it in cash. And, uh, you know, she explained to me when I met with her, this woman has been around for years and years, more than 20-some years, one of these faithful believers who God has blessed. This, this is like a Shunammite woman. She's an entrepreneur. She, she's, she works hard. And she has done it despite, you know, uh, a very difficult marriage and the man who has not supported her at all in her love for the kingdom. But she invests, and, you know, like, again, like the woman of Proverbs, she, you know, she's always thinking of ways to expand her, the blessing for her family and to invest in things and so on and so forth. Well, you know, she had just uh, uh, made a business transaction. God had blessed her, and she had promised the Lord a certain amount. But then, you know, the Lord spoke to her and said, no, it has to be more. And so she didn't hesitate and she handed the church a significant, significant offering. And, you know, what an encouragement to a pastor to see that. Now, this woman has been a giving believer all the time that I've known her in service, in commitment, in love for God, in faithfulness and loyalty to her church. She has been uh, just an example and an encouragement to me. And the kingdom of God is fueled and supported by individuals like that. She's not a rich person by any means. Right now, she is a single mother. But all her children, by the way, have been blessed. You know, there's, I think, one left in the, in the house. The rest are professionals. They're out there making their life and doing well because that's, again, you know, there's a generational, generational blessing that follows. But what an example throughout the years. And that's just one of many 
she was always there during the building of the of these uh, three temple these three facilities always in front uh, giving to the lord and you know that this is what has blessed the church of jesus christ throughout its 2000 years this giving uh, christianity and i want to encourage you to imitate that example she, this woman is a macedonian she gives out of what she does not have, out of her poverty in a sense. She's not poor because God has blessed her, but uh, she's not rich either by any means. And her offering was extravagant beyond, you know, what you would expect a person like that. Beyond her tithes and offerings, her faithful daily giving, she was bringing this offering to the Lord. And it was an encouragement. And one principle that I didn't share with you is that when you give like that, thanks our offerings are giving to the Lord. Read chapters 8 and 9. You know, our, our giving and our generosity, it produces words of thanks and grace to God. He's, he's worshipped by people who see and are inspired and are blessed. You know how many children all over the world, tens of thousands of children probably, would be thanking God? How many lives will be saved? How the kingdom will advance? Because you gave that is one of the benefits of giving. You inspire others and you give expressions of God's love through what you give. And people thank God and worship Him and serve Him because of what you have done. This is the beauty of giving. And I hope that this is what will characterize Congregation Lion of Judah. Amen. Can you receive that impartation from God? So just bow your head with me a moment. And you will hear more about giving because this is just part of this whole thing. I'm going to... We're going to be thinking about that until the 1st of uh, December. I want to encourage you to give in that offering. And don't, don't skimp. Don't take away from your tithing life to give that offering. No, it's got to be two different things altogether. And you will bless the congregation. You will help us to strengthen our life, our financial life. And you will bolster the life of this church that blesses you in all kinds of ways. We need that. We, are, we will benefit from it. And I pray that uh, you will be encouraged to give. And those of you who are watching us over the internet, if you're blessed as well, maybe you will feel uh, um, led also to send an offering to the Lord for this purpose and mark it as a thanksgiving offering. Okay? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its eloquence. Thank you for its permanence. Thank you for its logical nature. Thank you for the power that it embodies. This morning, we want to be challenged by you. We want to be expanded. Thank you because you are a faithful God and because you have already given the greatest offering of all, your son, Jesus Christ, your only son, who divested himself of all that he had to enable us to enjoy now this beautiful relationship with you. May we be like him in our giving as well. Richly generous, extraordinary, and extravagant as we give to you. Bless this message as it enters the heart of your people and show your faithfulness by prospering your people. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so um, before we leave, just take a moment, change channels. We want to celebrate the life of the church by sharing a couple of announcements with you. Come quickly. Come running. Come. Oh, you can't run. No, she can't run. She's got this this props here, but uh, we have a, uh, a gathering of women, synergist women. Let me hold that for you as you. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. There we go. And so quickly. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, here's one. 
Okay, beautiful. Okay, go for it. Uh, good morning. My name is Giovanni. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I lead the Synergist Women's Ministry. And I brought a show and tell with me today. So, Should I put um, some coffee in there so that I can have <laughs> had some while you talk? Some tea, some tea. It's okay. the women's tea that's coming up in December. And I want to encourage all of you, all of you women, to please um, sign up. We are registering, beginning registrations today. This is an amazing, it's our signature uh, yearly event. It's going to take place. December 8th uh, after the 9 a.m. service. So right after the service on December 8th, you're going to go up to the fourth floor and you are going to be greeted by a beautifully set table mm. with real mugs right. and, and a beautiful place setting and real tea. <laughs> um, so please register. We are asking for a small donation of $15 just to um, offset the cost of the food. Um, so, But if you don't have it, please do not feel... The paper. The, pa the white um, paper, me. Please so, do not so feel sorry. that you have to um, you have to pay it if you if you don't. Sorry. We will sponsor those of you who cannot um, yes. who cannot afford it. So we just want you to come to have a great time of fellowship and community with us. Uh, we have our guest speaker who is one of our own, Odelice Ramirez. She's amazing and fantastic and leads um, the ministry Lazos de Amor or Bonds of Love um, that are, that's part of the church. And so I'm just want to invite all of you to please register at the back. We are waiting for you, uh, and we want to see you on that day to have a great time. Okay? Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your efforts uh, to bless us, uh, Giovanni. Praise the Lord. And again, not to be redundant, I want to remind you of um, this Thanksgiving offering. You, I've already spoken about it, but I want to isolate it now that on uh, December 1st, Thanksgiving weekend, you are invited to come as a family affair. Bring your children with you. Teach them. Because these this values are passed from generation to generation, by the way. Train your children when they grow up to be generous givers and generous supporters of God's kingdom and his church as well. We love to see this as a family affair. And if you're a family of one, praise the Lord. That is wonderful. But, you know, let's make it a kind of a, a communal kind of thing and prepare your offering. Speak to your children about it. Tell them what you're doing and that you're blessing your congregation by doing this and strengthening its finances and uh, bolstering and shoring up its uh, foundations financially as well. It is highly, highly um, appreciated and necessary. So prepare yourself. And if you cannot come because you're out there somewhere eating turkey in New York or in uh, whatever, um, plan, plan. And you can bring it next Sunday, okay? Or you can bring it the Sunday after. It's whenever, you know, but uh, bring it as soon as you can. Send it by mail, whatever. Uh, but it's important that you not miss out on this opportunity, okay? Wherever you are, I want you to feel committed and, and connected to this great effort, okay? Be blessed, God. Please.